Hey everybody, it's Harry. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Austin Pudding Podcast. Um, I am sitting on the toilet, not using it, but I am on the toilet uh, so I can get those sweet, sweet bathroom reverb acoustics uh, while I record this little intro. But this is episode two of the Austin Pudding Podcast. Uh, and will be part two of our interview with Neuropathy, uh, a black metal artist who once was based in Boston, but recently uh, moved to Seattle. Um, but uh, yeah, so last week, uh, if you haven't listened to episode one, you'll probably want to check that out first. Um, but last week, uh, Robbie, aka Neuropathy, uh, walked me through the stylistic origins of black metal as a genre, the history, uh, which artists to check out. Um, so go back and listen to that now, if you haven't, because <laughs> um, this week we're going to be getting into uh, Neuropathy's debut album, The Deafening, and do a little track-by-track walkthrough from Neuropathy himself. So without further ado, here we go. What I so I made a I think what I'm gonna do just because I know that like a lot of my friends this is their introduction to black metal is my album. Um, I've decided I decided I'm going to make six playlists on Spotify, one for each song. Oh, okay, cool. And just be yeah. like, this is the like inspiration. Also recommended if you'd like, because all these songs have like other songs I can point to that have inspired them. Hell yeah, yeah. It's um, a really good so, idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's just taking again. The whole point is I want to put ev- like just take everything that I do and know and put it into this, and then get ready for the next album. You know, what I mean, like this is not the be all end all. I have another project um, that I uh, that I'm going to work on. There's a project related to this album, and then my other band, my other one man band is Grindcore or no- Noisecore. It's called I call it Nosecore because the band name <laughs> is uh, it's Cocaine Mitch. Um, like <laughs> and that's just your sloppy crappy grindcore stuff that i just do for fun um i that's not stuff that i would ever package up and sell it just goes on mm-hmm. Bandcamp, and then i pretend like it never happened yeah so like I go, I go to college for music um and i go for basically like music production recording you know writing like electronic music i study a lot of the classical music that i've always loved like olivier messian philip glass eric sati uh, Ravel, Boulez, um, you know, the weirder stuff, basically mm-hmm. the, you know, Charles Ives, the stuff where people are like, what's going on? This isn't like, boo, I'm leaving, you know? Um, but stuff that just kind of pushed the boundaries. Um, and so, um, that was just kind of my, my thing. And I didn't, I never really got into a band in college. I actually started, um, getting interested in the way that, humans use technology to create music so back before smartwatches were a thing i had a prototype for a smartwatch and texas instruments they built the smartwatch it was basically just a watch that had three accelerometers xyz and you can put a little dongle into your computer and it would send just raw streams of data and so we actually use that to translate the motion data into midi and So I would then create using Max MSP, I would make these little like effects pedals that were entirely controlled by motion. So I think one of the coolest ones was a a notch filter that basically was like a wah pedal, 
but the way you control is by moving your wrist. So you can imagine if you're playing like okay, your guitar, yeah. you're playing a guitar solo and you're, you know, just, you're, you know, just, you know, playing these notes and the, you're getting this like mo slightly moving wah, but then you go in for the, you know, the Jimi Hendrix thing mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're getting no, the Jimi really Hendrix smart, sound. Yeah. Yeah, so stuff like that. I um, well, if you you yeah. can call it, I like to call it the Fozzie Bear sound. The Fozzie Bear sound, the Waka Waka, <laughs> yeah, the Waka the Waka Waka flame, uh, <laughs> and that's what I'm gonna call it now, the Waka Waka flame. Uh, so yeah. then, you know, then that was really cool. Like, um, I remember if, if, if and and you can search. I think the Boston Globe did like a, a little write up on it, and um, some I, I actually got a call. Uh, th these dance this dance troupe in um the UK wanted to use my technology and they ended up i think using it as the basis for something that they built where they would sit in like a, they would have like six people sitting in a cafe and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they would all like music loud music would start playing and they'd get up and start dancing and tossing bottles to each other and the <laughs> bottles themselves would like change the music because oh wow yeah so they would like i think they tested it out by strapping the watch to the bottles and stuff like that part of me wishes well, i yeah, kind of I mean, went further with it but um you know it is what it is. The whole point of my program was to compose music. And so more about the music, like mm -hmm. I made these electronic pieces that were meant to be played. Essentially, you're in a room. That, well, there are two types of pieces, the tape pieces where you're in a room, lights are off, you're surrounded by speakers and the sounds are moving around. And I played with the idea of of tension and and loudness and making people uneasy. And so um, my favorite piece that I made was called Let It Come Out. It was very Steve Reich inspired. And it, it essentially, the, the entire track comes from two very short sounds. One is a kick drum that I stretched to six minutes. And it's a very slow buildup. I, I love, very slow love stuff like that. And I cut um, it. In I, half. I do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to. No, it's all right. And so I cut it in half in the middle. I spaced it out. And so as this thing's building up and building up and getting louder, and there's also these random symbols that are coming at you from every angle, mm -hmm. it stops. And I also and I then took like something like, I think it was two acoustic guitar strums, stretch those out. And it, so you enter this like really chill space, but then all of a sudden noises are coming out at you. Um, and so it was just a lot of sound design. Yeah. So anyway, like compose all these pieces had some pieces performed in, like around the world, even like one in Australia. Um, but I really wow. got interested in the idea of writing pieces where there's a human performer and they're playing along to electronics or they're interacting mm -hmm. with the electronics. So I did one piece called As the City Burns, where there was a fully composed piece for um, theremin and it was for theremin and DJ. And I was basically triggering and mutating samples along the way. Um, to make the sound of like a city crumbling and burning mm -hmm. as someone was it's, oh, wow. it's basically like the story of Nero, right? As he's playing his violin as the, the city yeah. burns, wow. but a yeah. high tech version. So things like that, um, where there's electronics integrated with musicians. And that kind of comes into the, this idea of one person playing all these instruments, but then recording it, mutating it and having these like orchestral pieces underneath. Um, anyway, so I got a job working at Cakewalk when I was in college, got really into that. And started writing code and that's and became a software engineer and so the the whole point behind this album though was for so long i was playing other people's music for so long i was just working and being a professional and letting my mental health degrade and i at the beginning of quarantine i really went into like a self-improvement mode 
And I said to myself, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to start and finish something. So, so what I, I that was something I meant to ask was this yeah. like a quarantine project or was Absolutely, it something yeah. that you had already? Okay. Well, so. no, let me, I mean, I'd been, it was already something that I'd thought about mm-hmm. and wanted to do and kind of got started. But how many things do you think about and talk about and want to do? Yeah. But so, but so you start, didn't like yeah. really start like no, the I, actual, like making of it. Until... It started in earnest. Like as soon as quarantine started, that was when yeah. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And then I sat down, I started writing the riffs. I started recording the riffs. I started put like putting them together in Ableton and figuring mm-hmm. out what goes where. I'm probably the only person on earth that makes metal in Ableton. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sure there are other people. Very, very few. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, it's just that for some reason, I love Ableton. Again, I've used all Able- the Ableton's great. I use, I use Ableton myself. So yeah, I've actually gotten an audition every IDE because when I was working at Cakewalk, we would have to, I was a QA tester. So I'd have to say like, okay, let's test this plugin in every IDE. And for mm-hmm. some reason, I always came back to Ableton as just like the right thing for me. I mean, like I've seen, I saw Monolake once and I was just like the shit that he could do with Ableton is just in- insane. So, I mean, that's basically, yeah, it was a, it was a quarantine project, man. Like, right. Cause this, this room I'm in right now, this desk, like this is where I work. This is where I play games mm-hmm. with my friends, which is my only way to socialize is yeah. like, you know, I was very hardcore quarantined and this is yeah, it was, where it was too neuropathy was born and um yeah it all just happened right here and you see my guitars behind me i've actually i'll show you the drums that i used are right there Um, hell yeah and like this is the whole room this is the whole space it's just guitars a a whiteboard for my ideas and oh whiteboard sounds i might i might hop on that whiteboard oh yeah no the whiteboard is great i mean i use it for work and for like my projects Mm mm-hmm so um, yeah, this is where neuropathy happened. And so then the name, so like what, uh, what sort of was the impetus behind like yeah, picking um, that name? So, you know, tr- track five at the end is about a loved one, someone close to me going through basically what I, I guess you could summarize as a long-term medical crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, throughout, like, I, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but throughout that basically um, neuropathy, um, was part of the diagnosis. And so that, that word means a lot. Cause a lot of the angst that I've encountered in my life in the last couple of years comes from that, uh, that traumatic experience. And this is part of my catharsis was on this album. So that's why I, one of the reasons I think that the, the name neuropathy kind of rang a bell to me. Also just the idea of like this, this, this concept of feeling right. And like, how we as humans, like our nerves are how we take in responses mm-hmm. and how, or how we take in like our environment and how when our environment is stressful, we just want to numb it out. We just want to not feel anything. We want to, we just almost hope for neuropathy, right? We hope yeah. for the inability to feel. Um, but then that also is, it shuts us out from the world. And so, you know, there's a few layers there. Um, and I think it basically just kind of summarized like this, this idea of, you know, when a, when a nerve dies, it doesn't just slowly wither away. Right. It's like an explosion almost. And mm-hmm. um, it's a shock to the system. And that also kind of fed in sonically with like what I was going for was just a shock to the system. Right. Cause I, I'm not the type of person who me, per, I'm not the type of artist who like 
if I have something that I need to get out that's sad or whatever, I'm going to write a sad song. I'm going to write a loud song mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean it's an angry song, but it's just, it has to all get out. Like when, when I am a, when things aren't going well, I may grab the nearest pillow and scream into it kind of guy, you know? So that, that kind of, um, that depth of feeling that, that, that explosion of um, pain is kind of where I go to, because this is a very deeply personal project Yeah, uh, in like every way. Um, so in terms of, oh, and sorry, the, the V I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, the reason for the V is, um, you know, a lot of, um, black metal bands use a V as either a replacement for an F or mm-hmm. as like a replacement for a U. It's just that, that Greek stylized U, you know what I mean? And it, this is literally yeah. just like a direct nod to the black metal aesthetic more than anything it also kind of helps for seo right because there might there's probably other neuropathies out there but there's no yeah. nevropathy if you want to call it that you know what I, mean? <laughs> I so that's i do love to pronounce band names as they are totally spelled. so um in terms of uh like the the content of the album yes um sort of is there like um is there like a narrative in in your mind of like something um, happened? Because I it it moves very well from track to track, and even like some of the tracks, especially longer ones like like a horror and Rams cloth that's like yeah. nine minutes long, is like at times like felt you know like it had a lot of like prog influence where it was yeah. like it has very distinct sections. So that you know for me is. Um, you know, and I always have my dad's voice in my head because like when when we would listen to like Led Zeppelin songs, he'd be like, see, this is what music is missing these days. <laughs> dynamics and peaks and valleys. And mm-hmm. and so I do think that like if, you know, to keep music moving forward, that's very important. Um, and, you know, as far as a narrative, so I'd say the first three songs, the first three tracks, the, the A side of the cassette is essentially one track in mm-hmm. my mind. Um, and so origin, which is the, the long droning introduction, right? Yeah. Um, that to me is, is just a sonic introduction to the whole track. That was originally just titled intro, but I hate, I don't know. I just didn't feel like intro was right. No, Um, honestly, origin is, is way better. I like it's way, that's way cooler. It's cooler. And it's more descriptive of like, I'm setting up the whole yeah what you're gonna i mean every sound almost every sound that you hear plus like this is your first release as neuropathy exactly it's like you know that's that's way it's way cooler than intro exactly it's like the start and it it is kind of this just like this birth of what it is
in from that um that like black sabbath stoner metal like that i love that like mm. uh weed eater bongzilla slow large moving object large slow moving object type of sound um and it's also of course a direct juxtaposition with the rest of the album um which is much faster mm. um and um it this is for me origin is kind of like represents how i felt going into the start of this project and who i was and what i was trying to get away from um it's very repetitive it's very monotonous it's very hard to it's very disorienting but it also is just like a slow morass where you're just stuck in these bad habits in these in this like dark self-loathing mindset um you know, you can barely hear it, but there's um, throughout the whole track, there's the sounds of uh, a group of people praying in a, in a Polish hospital. Okay. Um, and that, of course, again, ties in with the whole um, concepts of, of death and um, or the fragility of life, not necessarily just death. Um and just like wanting more and you're want you want to like the song is uncomfortable you want it to end like you want to break out of it mm -hmm. and then at the very end of it that's when and this was written to be this way to be this slow moving thing that all of a sudden that next riff the first riff of cyanogen just starts is strictly about the things we do to numb ourselves from pain, whether that is, um, you know, obviously drugs and alcohol or um, other addictive behaviors or just any type of active avoidance of the things that are actually like beneath. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, and, and it, it, it stylistically, like this is like, more you know modern dark throne i was thinking where they they take these riffs that are very just like almost like classic rock riffs like judas priest you know uh style riffs and they just kind of make them heavy and they just throw some balls against them um and um so this is very dark throne and, and, and there's also a section there where it's a little more earlier dark throne in, inspired as well that was actually the first so that was the first thing that i wrote and then after that was this riff the first riff that comes in for excuse me for horror and ram's cloth which actually the the end of cyanogen is the same chord progression as the beginning of horror and ram's cloth it goes directly into it especially in like on the the tape there's no separation 
it's just this slow, slowly introducing that. And then all of a sudden, dat, dat, and then into the blast beat. And the, we go from like letting the chord ring out to just tremolo picking the chord. Um, so this one stylistically is a direct um, musical tribute to the Icelandic black metal scene. Norway, you've got frost, right? In the Pacific Northwest, you've got these big, beautiful mountains and landscapes. In Iceland, I mean, I don't even, Iceland is just beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, and so I actually got, was, um, at, even after I was interested in this music, the Icelandic black metal scene, I was able to go to Iceland for a black metal festival. Ooh. It was three days um, of music during the midnight sun. Ooh. So it was three days of music Oof. with zero darkness. Yeah, that sounds cool. So it was fucking great. And the black, like the black metal there is just so like, it's like a warm hug in this like cold, beautiful mm. wasteland. Um, and so especially this band, Miss Theremin um, and Nakra, honestly, a lot of these bands have <laughs> Iceland's only so big. So a lot of the bands have like similar. Music. <laughs> um, they oh, share- yeah, just like, yeah, a couple like, of them popping in two, three bands. Sometimes. I'm pretty sure that Nakra has the exact same members as Misterming, or at least at this concert they did. It's just that the guitarist handed his guitar to the vocalist, and the vocalist became the guitarist, and vice versa. <laughs> um, but still I love it. Love different it. styles. Yeah. So, um, lyrically, again, this song is about 
like how we express what's beneath like the goal of this song is really what's beneath right for me so again it's i'm in this terrible place there are these things that i'm doing that keep me here i want to get rid of that what is beneath what and then once you you start to feel things again once you like you know i haven't like i have been like stone cold sober throughout all of quarantine as a and part of that is because I wanted to do work on myself and it's different when you when you feel everything and um, and so it was a lot about this song is a lot about self discovery it's a lot about being who you are um, it's a lot about like being who you are and being loud about that and not letting yourself be cast aside and not casting yourself aside mm-hmm. um, and then of course there's the B the the second section of this track where it kind of goes into the more sound design with the, the more yeah. proggy sound um, where I definitely had that, like almost like pink Floyd uh, um, porcupine, early porcupine tree kind of like thing in my head. Um, yeah. There's was, like, there's like an arpeggio going and there's like a yep. solo and yeah. I, I exactly. Yeah. So I, I actually wrote that um, funny, like Massachusetts thing. I wrote the, the clean guitar part, the arpeggio when I was in North Adams um, where mass mocha is uh, the only trip that I took during the only time I left my house really during um, quarantine was to go drive three hours West and just be in like one of the most desolate parts of, of our state basically. (laughs) Um, And, you know, enjoying the, the beauty there. And um, I wrote that uh, I brought my acoustic guitar with me and I wrote that uh, and was like, this has to go in the album. Um, in this song and it just worked perfectly um it's an it was you know again i like this idea of when things are really intense stop zoom out chill and uh this was trying to just kind of be like the the point of this is that even though things are getting better there's all it's like an infinite rain right there's always going to be problems there's always going to be difficulties that you have to confront there's always going to be darkness um but hope comes out of that darkness and then i my actual absolute favorite part of this album is the is the is the the end of this basically three tracks put together these three portions of this one track is the very end where that that rain goes away it swells back up the guitars come in and then on the snare and the the chorus comes back even more intense than ever before along with what i've referred to as the dark orchestra which is like um the sample library that i used of um horns and 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 basically horns because for me guitar when done right in this type of style it sounds like horns like Mm -hmm. there are sections of this album where you're probably thinking you're hearing horns but you're not it's just guitar and there are sections where you don't know you're hearing horns, but there's horns right underneath mm-hmm. the guitar. And then there's Very sections cool. where they're both coexisting. And that's that's interesting because I feel like horns are definitely one of those subsets of instrument instruments where like so I don't know if the like the samples you used were like like recordings of actual horns. Yeah, it was actually okay. um a recording okay. library of the the Boston or not the Boston, sorry, the BBC oh. Symphony Orchestra. Um and yeah, I mean look, so one of the things like if you go back to like what Frank Zappa taught us. Um, back in like the fifties with like the doo-wop, you get that greasy saxophone sound mm-hmm. that was used in that style of music, the same way that 
we use guitars. In fact, slowly guitars mm. started to take those the the trombone or the trumpet and the saxophone parts. Yeah, because guitars guitar. have been in you know like what like pop music for a while. Like yeah. you go back to like you know big band stuff. There was always there's always that one guitarist yeah. in the corner, but they're always playing like very, very simple. Exactly. And it's very in the background. And at some point in the fifties, I feel. Uh, well, sonically think about what um, sonically think about the greasy saxophone sound, the, mm. um, the miles Davis overblown trumpet sound. Yeah. And then think about the first person to literally shove a, um, uh, shove a, a screwdriver through an amp cone and introduced distortion mm -hmm. distortion was actually a way to replicate the horn sound mm -hmm. and so because of that like they're so intertwined um and 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 that was like no absolutely yeah so basically so for me that's that's one of the one of the things is like what what instruments can you you know how can you take one sound and add other sounds directly on top of it that are similar to to and in different proportions but this this part of the album for me, I think, was the most. Um, um, I I don't know what the right word is. Validating part to hear, maybe because this is the part where when I lit when I mixed this and mastered it and listened to it in my car, I thought, like I almost I think I I, I had like tears in my eyes because like this doesn't sound like my music. This sounds like a music that I a CD that I just went and bought and I'm listening to and like. It was so. Isn't just that like, such a great feeling, though, where like, you're like you're like kind yeah. of separate in your mind that like I'm yeah. like I can't even believe that I made this. Like this is legitimately. It good. gave me chills. Like, like I made my like in that moment, I realized two things. I was like, number one, I have effectively taken this intense emotion that I've been feeling inside myself and put it externally. Yeah. I've actually created a mirror for myself, but also I had this feeling of I made my favorite album. Like I listen, I've been, I can't stop listening to it. This album, like I made it something that I love. Like I, this, there was like, I can tell you, there are no songs that didn't make it on the album. There was mm -hmm. no, um, like basically I started with a chunk of clay and I made that clay what I needed it to be. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's why I'm just, you know, I'm just so excited to have it out there. Um, yeah, and so that's that's side A, right? And then side B, I mean, starts with Desolation, which is, again, something that a lot of modern black metal acts have been doing. And, and um, uh, again, uh, Icelandic black metal uh, does this. And um, there's a band called Blut Os Nord. They have- a I know them. Like, I know that. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. that. They're really good. They're amazing, right? And it's this like spacey post-rock like- sound so desolation mm -hmm. for me there was something that i wanted to capture and i didn't quite know what it was until i got it out and when i got it out i i listened to the song and ev a lot of people tell me that desolation is their favorite track which on the one hand i'm almost like it's the least metal track on there but on the other hand i'm like <laughs> it is the most evocative track it's, it's okay we were talking chumba wumba earlier you exactly know, sometimes, right? sometimes you get known for a song that isn't really
in isolation, I just have this image in my head of walking through the woods at night, plodding through the woods alone, and it's kind of cold and it's dark. And then as the guitars start to come in more, you come to a clearing and then you start to look up. And when the solo comes in, that fuzzed out descending solo, it's just the stars are falling from the sky. Yeah. That's well, how I feel. So I had noticed that because you had used desolate to describe your just like a couple minutes ago to describe your trip to North Adams. Yeah. Um, and because I feel like a lot of the time when that word is used, it has like a negative connotation, but I think it feels like you're kind of exploring because in, you know, in its purest sense, it doesn't really necessarily mean anything negative. It's yeah. just like void of like, you know, people or like a, a population. And yeah. So for me, the whole, the thing about desolation is really interesting to me. Like if I, if I am blind mm-hmm. and I cannot see, and somebody's in the room, but I cannot see them and I cannot sense them. Does their presence affect me? Mm-hmm. And so that to me is, it ties in with the whole point of neuropathy, which is our nerves being how we experience the world around us. And if we cannot experience, if we numb ourselves and cannot experience the world around us, is it even there? We can be desolate yeah. while holding someone's hand. We can be alone while embracing someone. And so it's really about like, not doing that and trying not to do that and learn and but like knowing that we're not always going to be able to that sometimes Mm -hmm. we are just going to be alone and and what do we see what do we feel what do we sense um so yeah it's a it's a it's a positive it's like it's almost like it it, it doesn't have to be right or wrong it just is it doesn't have to be good or bad it just is and we don't need to prescribe a label to it we don't need to to even interpret it we just have to be there to watch the stars falling from the sky is it beautiful yes are they going to fall down and kill us maybe is everything going to be okay who knows but it's just it is what's happening and so that's kind of a lot of what i feel went into like this album is just and with writing this album i mean i set out this goal of i'm going to finish this album i could have very well failed to finish the album i could have finished the album and it could have fucking sucked i think there's the the best possible reality is like somebody wanted to talk to like has spent the last hour and a half talking to me about music I made. Like I never imagined that, but like I'm sitting here in front of a cassette that looks fucking sick that I would pick up if it was in a cassette store. Um, if those existed still, <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, bandcamp.com. yeah, exactly. Right. My favorite like, record store. Yeah. It just, so, you know, it's about taking the, that risk. Um, so then the last two tracks on this album are just fucking rock and roll tracks. Like mm. at the end is in many ways, one of like, it's hard to say if that's my favorite song on this album or if um, uh, a whore and Rams cloth is to be honest, those are my two picks. And those tend to be like, yeah, at the end is again, that's just fucking black metal. Like it's, it starts off with these brutal expansive chords, tremolo picked, just fucking in your face, blast beat, um and then just these riffs these two riffs these two other riffs that come in that are just fucking heavy and fun and again the horns kind of you don't actually know that you're there are horns and there are areas where you think there are horns where there aren't like it's just it very much again this album sonically and, and just in general is my favorite
sepsis actually um and it's this is this one is me like just like about the fragility of life about somebody like the body turning against itself um about helplessness um you know in the when like there's only so much you can do it's about like the like how medicine is just trying as hard as possible to go against what the body wants uh and how it's like you know it, it either works or it doesn't um and so I, I wanted to get that across definitely this is also like every track on this piece so none of the tracks on the a side have like an actual guitar solo um they have guitar breaks but like nothing that you could consider to be like a guitar solo but uh side b has is very much more about rock and roll in a sense um and so there's a guitar solo on all three tracks here there's actually four guitar solos because there's two on the last one dark adaptation for me was trying to do it was like very batushka inspired mm-hmm. very like behemoth inspired lots more death metal um like what is like this heavy like just heavy fucking riffs um it, and i originally like the working title for that one was horns because i just
this is where the dark orchestra just takes over. It's the mm-hmm. biggest point for the orchestra. The choir comes in and then it fades out into the same atmospheric sound that starts the album. So the album is actually a loop, which some, uh, you okay. know, again, is a bit of a now to me, that's a not that's not like a the infinite whatever of life, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. None of that. What it simply comes down to is a lot of the cassette players that I had early on as a kid, when they finished, they changed directions and the cassette would start over again. And so for me, listening to music was just a never ending experience. I would listen to this. I mean, let's be honest. Who's to say what ACDC song is different from the other one, right? Um, (laughs) Uh, This might not be, I might not be the one to get, uh, get going down this path. So not a fan. No. uh, (laughs) So I actually think that they have like a formula to writing yes. songs. Not oh, that, not that other people don't, but I just no, like, you're right. It's once I overly formulaic, when I, cause I was like, you know, I was a freshman in high school listening to yeah. ACDC. And then I kind of like realized that like, all right. So it's like, you know, like overdriven blues, guitar riff, yep. uh, lyrics about sex, either sex, rock and roll, like the concept of yeah. rock and roll or hell. And then cat vocals. Yep. Like feral cat vocals. Uh, yeah. And I was so, like, oh, I'm kind of <laughs> o- over this. But like ACDC is a fun time. Like, I, I agree. I don't want to dis. I will like, say this. I think they give me a headache more than other bands, though. There's and it's not because they're loud or, or anything. I'm just like something about it just gives me a headache. <laughs> I don't listen to them anymore. And I'll be honest. I So the thing for me about ACDC was I was I was seven listening to <laughs> to ACDC. So of course, yeah, it definitely had a different impact. I will say there's one album that I would send to you that I think I'm not going to say would change your mind, but maybe is, is an, as a standout. And that's the <laughs> album who made who from the mid eighties. Mm, and I've, I've definitely heard this. one. You've heard of this album. This yeah. album is a soundtrack actually. Uh, uh, to to a amazingly terrible horror movie, <laughs> um, Maximum Overdrive. This was the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. The the um, okay. Stephen King short story turned into terrible movie. There are two, um, and this is where it come where you're going to be like, what? There are two instrumental tracks on here. With no vocals, which is not an ACDC thing at all. So that's yeah. DT and uh, Chase the Ace. Yeah. Um, and yeah, other than You Shook Me All Night Long, which is absolutely their worst song ever. Um, that might be my and might be my favorite song. Yep. There's, <laughs> which, sorry, and and then, I would agree. It's probably one of the worst songs. That's like a cu- in a subset of songs where I'm like, I really don't like this band, but I low key kind of like this song and I totally. want to do a cover of it. And Ride On, Ride On, by the way, is the least ACDC song, ACDC song. It is a sad, relaxed, like it's almost like a power. I don't want to say power ballad, but it's a, it's a ballad. It's an actual ballad. OK, um, so definitely worth a listen to. But yes, I agree. But so back. But like basically my point being that, like, I wanted the album to be able to loop because I decided that I wanted to release it on cassette. Why did I release mm-hmm. it on cassette? Number one, yeah, there's the throwback to the aesthetic of cassette trading of black metal. Um, it's a very common format for black metal to come out on. Number two, I can't afford vinyl. 
Yeah. That's just so expensive. Number nope. three, why release? Like people say to me, well, who's going to be able to listen to that? Probably the same number of people that can listen to a fucking CD. Nobody yeah. has CD players. Yeah. So but honestly, I, like cassette, cassettes aren't coming back in the same with the same no. fervor that like, but you know, back. vinyl. Yeah, no, they are back. And like a lot of these like smaller DIY labels. Yeah. Especially locally will will have Absolutely. a lot of cassette it's, releases. It's very like I don't I don't have a cassette player, so it's not yeah. like great for me. But I'm also like the only one that I, I have, have a cassette or two. <laughs> This is the only one that I have. It's a piece of shit. And it's literally just so that I can like, I can listen to the, the few cassettes that I've collected from because my band armpits, we would trade. But the thing is when you just like, it's, it's just something to put on your shelf. Yeah. It's something to have. And it takes up less space than it takes up less a space. record. It there is some nicer. element of portability. If you were to get like a, like a old, you know, Walkman. Yeah, exactly. Type. But also, I mean, look, you're just buying this to have something physical to to hold and to show off. You're going to listen to the digital. Yeah. So it's it's just it just was something cool. Um, yeah. So it came out. I've sold some copies. Um, the response has been pretty great. And I have a follow up nice. album already planned that oh, awesome. I want that you get the first dibs on hearing about. <laughs> yeah, I, would, so, I would love that. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's yeah, that's what's on the album. What's next? So, uh, well, so the cover of the album. What what are we looking at? Yeah. So this that is um, this is actually is that a fo- is that a photo or is that an, it's a, a photo? Drawing? Yeah. Okay. It's a photo of um, petrified wood. Okay. Yeah. It looks, um, looks woody. Heavily edited. Um, again, you know, you've got petrified wood. You've got this idea of um, just like <laughs> this of strength. Right. Mm-hmm. But also like, I mean, it's dead, you know, and um, it, I wanted to give this imagery of just like this large looming object that um, is sturdy, is hardy, is cold, is lifeless um, and, you know, kind of looks like bones, kind of looks like a skeleton. And it, in, in essence, it actually, you know, it is. Um, and yeah, just kind of try to find an image that to me just looked like the way the album felt and sounded. And in the top left, you can actually kind of see a little light, just a little bit of light. And so one of the, um, the themes yeah. of the album that is not, um, is not actually uh, like a, a, a lyric or anything, but uh, at the top of um, like the Bandcamp page, it says "Seeking Light in Darkness," mm-hmm. um, and that was actually a, a working title for um, Horn and Ram's Cloth, um, but uh, it just didn't quite work for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, but it, it just as a theme of like of what neuropathy is, it's like trying to find the light through the darkness or using the darkness. So having that light in the top left corner of the album cover kind of just worked for me you know yeah very cool yeah oh now i'm seeing the the header of seeking light and darkness on the Bandcamp page yeah and then like uh you can't i don't know if you can see on the Bandcamp page but at the bottom of the press release and right here on the back of the album you might be able to see this little um tree Mm -hmm. so again that's just like the idea of it it kind of looks like nerves yeah um and a tree and so like 
just kind of trying to tie everything together. That that to me is like the neuropathy logo, if if there was one. Definitely gonna be my next tattoo. Very cool. Um, yeah, and so for the net, what's coming next? So basically, I'm actually about to move across the country uh, okay. to Seattle, and so because of that, I've got to basically start packing up my studio. And I don't and there's no way I'm going to be able to record another neuropathy release before that happens. I'm already started thinking about the next release, but the one the one the B essentially, right, the one point five that's going to happen is, um, as I mentioned, I've got a lot of friends in the music industry, some of whom are electronic music producers, some of whom are in metal bands, some of whom are sound designers. And so I've actually bundled up the stems for each of the songs and I've sent each one out to a different producer. Okay. And so there's going to be a neuropathy remix remixed album. Oh, hell coming yeah. Out. And so I actually have some prominent musicians involved in that, like people who I have no uh, business being involved with the neurop, like who have, <laughs> who are way too accomplished to be involved with a neuropathy album, as well as some people who are in the the, the Boston music scene. Um, so one of uh, you know two of the tracks are being remixed remixed by members of Diva Car, um, which is a, a black metal experimental black metal band here in Boston. Um, one of the, the the their bassist Adam also goes by Uttered in Tongues. He does um, drone and ambient music for meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's remixing Desolation and Chris, his band member is remixing, um, I've, uh, Cyanogen. Um, and then I've got a, I, I, you know, I think those are the only ones that I'm, oh, and the other, uh, one I'll mention is, um, the last track dark adaptation is being remixed by down upright, who is the exact opposite end of, you know, we've collaborated before on some tracks, um, he they make um fairly upbeat like electronic dance music mm-hmm. um so i'm excited to see what they do with this we did a song called diamonds which you can find um here i'll just send you the link um because yeah. it's under my other moniker code pig um uh yeah they, they we tried to do like a what happens if grindcore meets edm and it was kind of like it's kind of cool actually it'll get stuck nice. in your head um, yeah, so basically, like, um, I feel like there's a lot of that, like, EDM pro- nowadays, especially with yeah. a lot of like Zoomer acts, where it's yeah. like EDM production, but with like a like a mid 2000s punk, whether it's like pop punk or like like 100 Gex and whatever. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. So, so that's what's coming next is basically a remix album, which for me. You know, I know that like sometimes people are like, oh, a remix album, how not exciting, but the reason that I wanted to do this, honestly, was, I still get excited about it. But also yeah. hearing that that like this is a remix album of like a black metal album. That's, exactly, that's very different than. Um, in fact, so because it's different, because it pushes the boundaries of a genre that, if you think about where black metal is right now, going back to the history, it used to be very purist. Mm-hmm. There's this concept of true black metal, true Norwegian yeah. black metal. You have to be uh, lo-fi. It has to be this specific instrumentation it has to be white <laughs> it yeah. has to be heterosexual and i think it, like that's a lot of the reason why i never really took a huge dive into it because i'm like i don't want to like 
get into a a genre of music that is so like ex- exclusionary. Sure, it's exactly. Yeah. But now everyone's taking black metal and making it their own. Every, the, yeah. like, again, there's a, a whole queer movement of black metal, an anti-fascist movement for black metal. Um, it, very, you know, inclusive. You know, there's there's a lot of yeah. actual trans people in the black metal community. Like um, there's a woman, um, Victoria... I forget her name, but she basically she created a, a she made her own guitars uh, that are microtonal and 17 equal distributions of the octave. And she makes microtonal black metal uh, where she plays all the instruments. Oh, wow. and she's getting really popular right now because she just released her album and it's like victory over the sun. It is getting incredible. A lot of references uh, uh, write ups um, and she's amazing. Um and for a trans woman to be out there and be like the current face of and liturgy as well. Hunter, yeah, Hunter I was going to say you know, we already brought her it's, up. But, it's just like yeah. it's amazing to me. Um, and so funny story when I was in. Um, where is this? Here. All right. So Vic- victory over the sun. It was the yeah, the artist yeah. name. Uh, yes. Or, victory yeah. of the sun. You should be able to find it on Bandcamp. Is it victory no nowhere? Yes. Nowhere. Okay. All right. Um, cool. Yeah. So funny story. I was just in Seattle and I was at a small store and I found this. And I, I saw on the sticker, it said Slayer Dub. And I was like, is this what I think it is? And the guy goes, oh, no, there's no way you know that. That's, that is a, um, it's South of Heaven, the Slayer out song. Um, but it's a drum and bass remix. Oh, yeah. He's like, believe it or not, drum and bass and metal mashups exist. And I was like, I know. I'm making one <laughs> right this minute. Like, literally, I just got the first mix last night. Um, so, like... It's rare, but it sounds fucking sick when it happens. So um, the like, you know, basically, if you go looking through the album credits you and do do a little bit of sleuthing, which I'll leave for you to do, you might be able to figure out who's working on this with me. Um, but it's going to be really dope. And um, we're going to. Yeah. So that's going to be the next release. Um I was originally going to have that done like soon, but it went from being like a few people are interested in it to like a lot of people were interested in getting involved. So it was going to just be an EP, but now it's going to be a full LP. Oh, hell yeah. One to one. Like literally, it's just going to be the same track list, but remixed, which I think is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. Um, and like I said, I'm moving out to Seattle, so I don't know what's next for Neuropathy, but I know that it's there's going to be another album. Um, honestly, I think um, we'll see what happens, but I would love to put together an actual band to play this shit mm-hmm. live. Um, I would love to do that. So who knows? Maybe there will be some West Coast Neuropathy shows yeah. in the future. Very cool. Um, all right so there you have it that is the end of the two-part interview with neuropathy um we'll be back next week with episode three uh have an interview with jeffrey vachon from uh cheerful desolation choir and doom lover um two separate bands uh but look forward to that um and please, uh, if you if you've liked these first couple episodes, please subscribe, um, hit follow um, on Spotify. Uh, hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, I'll have gotten the podcast on Apple Music and work on getting it onto some other 
podcast platforms too. Um, I want to give a, a quick thank you before I, I close out. Uh, big thank you to my fellow Awesome Pudding editors, Christine, Jackie, um, as well as some recent editors. We've had uh, uh, Katie and Jeremy, um, as well as the uh, the rest of the Austin Pudding crew, uh, our writers, our photographers. I love y'all. Um, would not have been able to do this without your support and encouragement. Um, so I want to give you guys a shout out. Um, I also want to shout out, uh, obviously a big thank you to neuropathy for, um, you know, taking the time to sit down with me. Um, and also really excited by now, anyone following this will have seen the logo, uh, designed by a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Kat. Um, but she's also, a, more importantly than being my friend, well, to her career, not more importantly to me. Um, but she's an incredible graphic designer and designed this, uh, this absolutely wonderfully batshit insane logo, um, that, you know, came from a very loose description of an idea that I had in my head, uh, of based on that, like silly meme of the girl, like throwing her head back and laughing and her, her mouth just is, is giant. Uh, you may have seen it. Uh, it's a personal favorite meme of mine. Um, but yeah, um, so that is sort of the inspiration behind the idea, but Kat took, uh, my very, very loose, frantic description and ran with it and designed this incredible, incredible logo that is beautiful and deranged and almost Joker-esque, and I love it so much, um, and I'm really, really grateful that she took the time to do that. Um, but uh, also, uh, one final shout out to uh, my friend Ethan, who uh, has helped with the audio processing on this a little bit. Um, I don't have the, the highest tech set up right now for recording this, work in progress on that but i want to give a shout out to ethan for helping with processing the recordings i've sent him and just helping to clean them up a bit um you know this is a pretty lo-fi effort right now but it would be even even low lower fi low fire no lower lower fi <laughs> uh without ethan's help so i want to give a shout out to ethan um yeah, I have no one else to thank right now, and uh, fuck everyone else besides the people I mentioned. Just kidding. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. You've tuned in uh, to listen, um, and hopefully you like what you've heard enough to hit follow and and uh, keep on listening because I got a got some good interviews coming up with some really really incredible incredible artists. Um, so hope you're looking forward to that. All right. Peace out. Bye.